today's title is going after one thing. Going after one thing. And in Matthew 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And of all the Beatitudes, this may be one that is more difficult for us to understand or get a hold of or be believable. It would be easier for us to believe blessed are the poor in spirit, those that realize you don't have what it takes in, in yourself and you have to go to God. And it says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And it may be more easier to believe blessed are those that mourn, that grieve over their our sins, our failures, our inability to do what is always right to do. For it says when we mourn over our sins, we will be comforted. When we are convicted and we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, if you'll remember that message, we're comforted by the Holy Spirit. God comforts those that are afflicted, that those that admit that they have a need of him. So we may struggle, thank you, we may struggle a bit when he, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Because, number one, I don't think anybody on this parking lot or listening live stream or listening for the, through the phone call would actually be able to say, oh, yeah, my heart's always pure. I can't say that. Uh, I've struggled this week. I don't know about you, but to keep a pure heart and uh, to live up to Jesus' statement. But who is, so who is Jesus talking to? We think, well, he must be talking to somebody else because I'm, I don't have a pure heart all the time. But actually, Jesus is talking to you and I, his followers. Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So in this statement, listen and think about this. In this statement, Jesus ties purity of heart to something that's equally impossible when he says they shall see God. Well, in Exodus 33:20, right off the bat, it says no one could see God and live. Yet here is Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for you will see God. We know that God, Moses sought to see God and God says, well, you can't see me, you know, face to face. I'll let you see my lesser parts, the lesser glory of God, lest you die. And uh, that's why we've got to have a new body in order to go to heaven to be able to contain and to be able to enjoy and to be able to be in the presence of God. Flesh and blood will not enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus said. So being able both to be pure in heart and to see God, what this is saying to us, Jesus is trying to help us understand how great God's plan, God's design, God's love for you and I are that we can have a pure heart and in that having a pure heart, we are also able to see or be able to be with the Lord. So as we look at pure in heart, what that means is you and I today, listening, live stream, watching live stream, being with us here on the parking lot, what it's saying today is you and I can be so completely, thoroughly forgiven and washed and cleansed that when the Lord looks at us, that instead of seeing our sinfulness, our past, our habits, the things about our life that even when we, we remember about ourselves, our failures and even our weaknesses, the Lord sees us as his beloved and his redeemed bride on our way to a wedding feast. Amen. So what does this purity in heart mean? One thing it does not mean, pure in heart does not mean you live a sinless life. You're not going to live a sinless life as long as you're in this world. We, we are tempted, and many times we succeed against the temptation, and praise God for that. 
But many times we don't succeed against the temptation. Can I get an amen and admission on that? Amen. That's us. So pure in heart doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're absolutely sinless. Not yet. There's scriptures that deal with that. I'll get to it in a minute. We're all sinners in the process. And I know we're redeemed. But we're sinners. We're in the process of recovery and redemption. We are saints now. But we are in a process. In a theological realm. In a theological realm. God already sees us as perfect. Because he sees the perfection of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Christ applied to our life. We dealt with that in one earlier message. That's how God sees you today. Perfect, completely righteous in Christ. But that's not where we actually are in ourselves. We are being transformed and conformed into his image. We're on a process. We're on a, a journey. One day we're going to get there. And each day it's a sanctification process of yielding ourselves to the Lord, sanctifying, setting ourselves apart to the Lord so he can work on us to make us like Jesus more and more every day. That should be your goal, to be more and more Christ-like, to be more and more surrendered and submitted to the Lord every day. Some days we all do better, some days we don't do so good. Amen. <laughs> but we grow. And what it says in 1 John 3, 2 and 3, now, it says now. Can you yell out now? Not with your horn, but with your voice. Now. Good, I heard you. Now are we sons of God. And it yet does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Oh, what a wonderful day that's going to be. And then the last part of that verse says, everyone who has this hope within himself purifies himself. That word purify, pure heart, shall see God. We're on a journey. Every day we should long, Lord, search my heart. Psalm 139, search me, O Lord. Try me, see if there's any wicked way in me. And cleanse me, Lord, in the way. Pure heart, that should be our desire every day. 1 John 1.8 also tells us if we say we're out, if we say you're without sin, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. <laughs> so purity in heart, it does, not, it does not mean you having a pure heart does not mean you never have a bad thought, a bad day, or a time that you just plain blow it. It doesn't mean that. That's not what it means. The Bible speaks of purity in heart in several ways. First, it speaks of purity or holiness that belongs to God alone. He is holy, set apart. There's none like Him. There never will be. The Scriptures tell us that. Your encounter with the Lord will tell your heart, your spirit, your whole body, your soul, that, Lord, there's no one like you. We sing those songs, but that's the truth. That's why we sing the songs. So purity and holiness, it belongs to God alone. In the presence of God, there are angels. There's two-thirds of the angels that never did sin against God, that chose to be faithful to God, and they've never sinned, and they cover their faces, and they cry out continually, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and the, is the Lord of hosts. We see that in Isaiah 6, 3. Thrice, three times holy, crying out, and what they're saying in that three times holy, God, you are incredibly, perfectly incomparable in your purity and in your holiness. There's none like Him. 
The second purity that the Bible speaks of is the purity and holiness that belongs to us, the righteous in heaven. We dealt with that in another message. Again, 1 John 3, 2 says, We're the sons of God now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Once you and I enter into His presence, there will be no trace of sin, sickness, sadness, pain, worry, frustration on or around you forever and eternity. Glory to God. You will... You will perfectly, completely reflect the glory of your Savior and your God. Holiness is God's alone, and the purity that we will enjoy forever comes entirely from the Lord, but it is His gift of righteousness and purity that He shares and He imputes and He gives to us. The third purity that the Bible speaks of is the first one was God Himself. The second one was when we get to eternity and glory. But here's the third one that Jesus was really talking about in Matthew 5, 8. It's the purity or the holiness that the Lord calls you and I to pursue, to run after now, in this life. We can be pure in heart. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that we're pure in heart. We have one single focused purpose. It's to let Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, conform and transform us that every day our effort our goal our reaching forth our stretching forth is to become more like him and that's what jesus said blessed are the pure in heart for they will see god purity in a christian life again it's not being perfect it's like gold some of you are wearing gold i have a gold wedding band that's about the only gold i've got but some of you got gold well it didn't come you you went to the store or online or somewhere and bought it in its refined form. But you know how gold is formed. It's dug out of the earth, out of the iron ore. It has to be heated. It has to be, it has to go through a process, a tremendous heat process to get out the impurities so it's refined. And the more that it's refined, the purer the gold is. And the purer the gold is, the more valuable the gold is. Some of you have traveled the world or been in the service and you've been to some of the other nations in the country where you can buy 24 karat gold and pure, more pure gold than even we can buy here in the States. And it's a lot less money, you know that. But it's our purity in heart for the child of God. It's like that gold has to be refined. And the gold that's valuable uh, to bring forth its purity. When a child of God, listen, when you and I are born again, everything in us flips around. And what we once loved, we should now hate. And what we once hated, the things of God, we should now embrace and love. That's what Paul's story and testimony was. And when the child of God, when the born-again person hates the impure things that are in their life and in their hearts, but longs for the righteous life, what that does, it brings that expression of the purity of heart. So, what is a pure heart? If your heart is to be pure today before the Lord and you see God, what does it mean? First thing it means is your heart will be an un divided heart just like i read to you from john 17 jesus said father i pray that they would be one in us as we are one with each other that was jesus message that's jesus goal for every one of us that's jesus goal for the entire planet he died and shed his blood and gave his life and rose from the grave in order to make all of us his people and his children and one with him so the real per the person that's real in purity has an undivided heart 
In 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah gathered God's people Israel at Mount Carmel after they had backslidden uh, from the Lord. His challenge to them was to turn to the Lord with a purity of heart, a single devotion, leaving the idols and the other false religions and people that they had intermingled with. That's the same call of the Holy Spirit upon your life and my life today. Leave all foreign idols, objects, first loves, and make God our first love again. That's what's wrong with the world today. God, Jesus Christ, is not the first love. You see, Israel made the mistake, but we're doing the same thing. When I say we, the world in general, is making the same mistake Israel made. They want both the blessings of the Lord and to be able to have false gods also. And God said, I am a jealous God and I'll be worshipped and you have to worship me only. You can't have other idols. And idols aren't just some little wood or silver or metal object that you bow down to. Idols are anything that takes your affection, your first love away from the Father and the Son, Jesus. So Elijah challenged Israel, just like the Spirit of God is challenging you and I today. He challenged them with, how long will you hesitate? And when you look up that word hesitate, it means how long will you dance around? That's what it means. How long will you dance around between two opinions? King James says, how long will you halt between two opinions? Other translation, how long will you hesitate or how long are you going to dance around between two opinions? How long are you going to have a divided mind? In other words, the Lord is speaking to us today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to people today. Make up your mind. Either choose Yahweh, the Lord, and Jesus Christ or the idols because you cannot, you cannot have it both ways. How long would they in Elijah's day and how long will people today in our day try to embrace and follow both Christ and also cling to the ways of the world at the same time? It can't happen. You can't love God and mammon, God and the world at the same time. Pure in heart is singleness of purpose and devotion as Jesus made it clear in Matthew 6, when he said this, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is single or clear, your whole body will be full of light. If you've got your eye on something and your mind or your eye on something else over here, you're distracted, you're divided. Other translations said if the eye is healthy, meaning going after one thing. That's what it literally means. If your eye's healthy or single, going after one thing. Another word we use for it is focus. You've got to be focused on the Lord first. He's got to be first. To do well and to achieve in any area or endeavor in life, it takes a single-mindedness and a purpose to accomplish it well. In James chapter 4, verse 8, speaking to us as believers, it said, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Listen, this, it, there never should have been a day when we could, oh, we can get by and we can love the world, we can still love God. Too. There never should have been a day in our thinking like that but especially in the hour that we're living in. You've got to decide. It's either Jesus or the world. Jesus said in Revelation, I would that you were hot, or you're hot or cold. He said, I would that you, were, you would be hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you, spit you out of my mouth. Those are words of Jesus, the Lord, the King. The opposite of a pure heart, so according to Scriptures, is this double-mindedness. 
Purity of heart, it's not perfection, as I said, or sinless life. Paul says this. Anybody remember Paul? You've read Paul? We wish we were like Paul. We wish we had the dedication Paul had. Well, listen to his story in Philippians chapter 3. Paul wasn't perfect, and Paul admitted he wasn't perfect. In Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul says this. Not that I have already attained to it, or have already become perfect. He admits, I'm not perfect. I haven't obtained to this goal yet. But I press on. But I press on. That's the key right there. Are you pressing on? I press on that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. In other words, he's saying, I have not attained. I've not arrived yet. I've still got away. I'm still on a journey. But he said, but one thing I do, I am focused. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the prize of the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ in God, of God in Christ Jesus. It's the pressing. It's the pushing yourself. It's the sanctification process daily. It's the denying ourselves, And as Paul said in other scriptures, it's the dying daily. We don't hear about that a lot today. It's not preached enough. You've got to die daily in order to follow Christ. He said, if you don't cross daily and follow me, you can't be my disciple. I didn't say it. The theologians don't say it. Jesus said it. Then the second thing about purity. Well, let me say this before that. This statement that Paul makes, it captures the heart of singleness of purpose and it characterizes the pure heart. One thing, I press on. Forget the past. It's under the blood. I can be pure. The second thing about purity is a heart forgiven. Thank God. When a person receives Jesus Christ, two gifts become yours. Forgiveness is number one. This is where God drops all charges against you. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but I've been arrested before. When I was a teenager, B.C. days before Christ, it was a bad day. Spent a weekend in jail in DeKalb County, Georgia. It was a dark day in my life. But there came a time that the charges were released against me. And I felt, man, I felt freedom. I didn't have to stand before the judge. I didn't have to stand before a jury. I didn't have to go to court. I just got a letter in the mail said, all charges against you are released. That was a big relief. If anybody's out there, you know what I'm talking about. If that's happened to you, big relief. I'm not asking you to commit to that. But forgiveness is when God drops all the charges against you of your sins against Him. And He reconciles you, brings you to Himself so that you're no longer an enemy of the cross and to the kingdom of God. But you have become, you have become enabled to enter heaven because those charges uh, of your sins have been paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. In Christ, your debts are paid in full so that you are not charged against you. They won't be charged against you on the last day. There's some of you listening today, either live streaming or in this parking lot or by phone. You're still wondering, has God really forgiven me? Does God really love me? 
I'm telling you, it says God demonstrated. He proved. He manifested His love towards you. And that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you before you were ever, ever thought of to be born from your mother's womb. He already died for you. You're forgiven. It's already dealt with. The sin's been paid. The, the price has been paid. Your sins have been paid for. Today what you've got to do is receive. Receive what the Lord's done. And some people struggle over that. They say, well, I know God can forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. I want to say one thing to that. I used to struggle with that horribly because of an inferiority complex. And, oh, I God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And the Holy Spirit stopped me one day and said, who are you? To think that you are better than what God's done for you. If God has forgiven you, who are you to say that you can't be forgiven and can't forgive yourself? You know what it is? It's a matter of pride. And we need to learn to not only receive God's forgiveness, but to realize that we forgive ourselves. And that's what Paul said. Forgetting those things that are behind. He was responsible for having Christians killed, locked up, abused, harassed. That's pretty bad. But he said, I count those things as behind me. They're in the past. But now I focus. I'm single-heartedness, single-minded. I press on. And then the second aspect of the Lord's mercy for you is justification. Romans 5.1 said, Being justified by faith, by your trust in Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior on your behalf, Personally, individually, you have peace with God. That's what Jesus paid for, for you to have. Peace with God. To be reconciled with Him. To be justified. You are acquitted. You are released. You are forgiven. Your slate, your account is wiped clean by the blood of Jesus. No. Two aspects of 1 John 1 9 said, If we confess with our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness. That forgiveness, it happens in reconciliation with God. In Christ, you're no longer an enemy of God opposed to his way. You don't have to, you don't become God's enemy every time you blow it as a child of God. You don't get re-saved over and over again. Once you're born again, once you've received Christ, you are a child of God. You may not walk as a son or daughter like you should have walked. You may have sinned against God and shouldn't have, but He doesn't kick you out. He doesn't disown you. You, you just become a son or a daughter that's rebelled, and He will correct those. He chastises those who rebel against Him. He deals with it. He sure deals with me. I don't know if you get away with it, but I don't. So forgiveness and reconciliation, they literally, they happen once as an experience and an introduction into the kingdom of God. Now cleansing, that's a different story. You and I probably need to be cleansed on a daily basis. We see things we shouldn't see. We hear things or listen to things we shouldn't listen to. We become a party of things, gossip or whatever. We probably should have said, you know, walked away and said, I'm not having any part of this. We need cleansing. And that's what the Word says on a continual basis. Because we're defiled. We're polluted by this world. We're bombarded. Even if nobody ever said anything to you. 
your own mind, your own flesh. Man, dealer, listen, we think we blame the devil for a lot of stuff. I'm my worst enemy. Paul said, don't give place to the devil. When you don't give place to the devil, all you've got to deal with is yourself. I'm my worst enemy many days. We become polluted and defiled. Ephesians 5. Christ might sanctify that set apart, cleanse, and cleanse it, meaning the church or the bride, which is you and I here today, that He might sanctify and cleanse His bride with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it, the church, to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot, wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it, the church, should be holy and without blemish. That's who God's making you and I into. His bride. A pure, virgin, spotless, undefiled, by His blood, by the continual sanctification process, by the Word of God. That's why the Word of God, the Bible, is so important in your life every day. Because when you read the Word, it's like James said, you're looking into a mirror, you're seeing the good, the bad, the ugly about yourself, and you're being transformed by that Word. Let that Word convict you. It's a good thing. Conviction is a good thing. It's a good thing. Repentance is a good thing. And then Titus 3.5 said He saved us. The Lord saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration. Washing of regeneration. Being born again by the blood of Jesus. By the Holy Spirit. And renewal of the Holy Spirit. We need the washing of the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis in our life to give us a pure heart so that we can see God. Jesus' love, His blood, His power is able to wash the heart that's been messed up by greed, lust, perversion, pride, any sin, habit, or compulsion that's known to humankind. Nothing, no devil, no demon, no power of self or flesh is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure today, none of us feel worthy of that forgiveness or cleansing. And that's true. You're not worthy in yourself. Yes, that is true. When the devil comes and tells you you're not worthy, you go, you're right. I'm not in myself. But His blood, His sacrifice, His love, His provision makes me worthy. So get it in your heart. Get in your head. What Jesus did for you makes you worthy. So don't frustrate the grace of God the Scriptures teach us. Matthew 1.21 as Pastor Larry comes. Matthew 1.21 says, You shall call on His name, Jesus, Yeshua, for He will save His people from their sins. Jesus came, gave His life as a ransom to forgive us of our sins, but also thank God to break the power and set us free from the power of sin that wants to rule and dominate and dictate over our hearts and lives today. He gives us new affections. He gives us new likes. He can give us new interests and the power to rule over our life, our mind, and our emotions. So the invitation from the Lord today is come to Him. How do you come to the Lord? It's like we started out in Matthew in the Beatitudes. You come poor in spirit. 
You come empty-handed. You come admitting, Lord, I can't do this in myself. I can't forgive that person in myself. I can't forgive myself in myself. Lord, I can't walk this walk in myself. Lord, I can't please You in myself. Help me, Lord. I'm bankrupt in myself. I come empty-handed before You, realizing, recognizing I can't live the Christian life on my own. Come to Him that way. Come to Him empty-handed. And then come to the Lord even in your frustration and your disappointment with yourself. I have been so frustrated and disappointed in myself as a child of God, as a minister, as a pastor, as, as just mainly as a child of God. I said, oh God, am I ever going to grow up? Oh God, am I ever going to stop doing some things and stop thinking some stupid God, am I ever going to grow up? I get frustrated with myself. I get aggravated with myself. I get down on myself. And I just have to say, Lord, come. I can't do it. You've got to help me, Lord. I come to you and I bring my frustration. And some of you today, you're disappointed, you're frustrated with yourself, and you feel like giving up. But I'm telling you, when you come and you lay it down, when you lay your life down and you give yourself totally, completely to Jesus, you will encounter an, an, a, a revelation of Him, a love of Him, an empowerment from Him, that He will take you, touch you, anoint you, bless you, to be able to live for Him. And then lastly, come with your brokenness. All of us are broken. We were born into this life broken. Every Everything in our culture and our society, it's broken. We're seeing it more and more now than ever before. Our government's broken. Our finances are broken. Our people's lives are broken. People's thinking's broken. People's love is broken. Marriages are broken. Their kids are broken. Everything in this life, it's broken. But when you bring your brokenness in your life and your situations to the Lord that are not working out for you, Jesus Christ is still the answer and will always be the answer. He not only offers you forgiveness, but today, if you feel dirty, abused, unclean, like giving up, that you can't make it, and you're struggling, as you come to Him, what He's offering to you today is cleansing for a pure heart and to be able to start over again, to be able to be renewed again. What an amazing scripture I found in my daily reading. I really don't know how I came upon it because I'm not reading the book of Job right now. But in Job 17:9 it says, The righteous shall move forward, or I'm sorry, the righteous shall move onward and forward. Let's say that again. Job 17:9. The righteous shall move onward and forward. Those with pure hearts shall become stronger and stronger. Today I want to encourage you as we close. You are righteous because of what Jesus paid for you. The price He paid for you. You are righteousness. You have the righteousness of Christ applied to your life, applied to your past, applied to your present, applied even to your future. And because of that, you and I can move onward and forward like Paul's testimony was. Forgetting the past, but pressing forward to the prize, to the goal, of the prize of the high calling of God that's found in Christ Jesus. And those that are righteous that move onward and forward, their hearts, with a pure heart, will become stronger and stronger. This morning, if you have to leave, we understand that. There'll be uh, ushers <laughs> at the exits that can receive your tithe and your offering. And again, if you're a first-time guest with us, 
We have a packet. If you turn your emergency flashers on, our uh, ushers, greeters will come help you and give you one. We want you to receive that. Please do take a moment and fill out the, the uh, online guest information on the mobile app and uh, submit it to us. We won't harass you, I promise. We just want to recognize you. If you have to leave, we understand that. But today, if you want prayer, and you, you say, Father, that's me, and say, Pastor Russell, that's me. I've got a past, and I need the blood of the Lord Jesus, and I'm struggling right now. This morning, I just want you to get out of your car. Stand in front of your car, and our altar workers, our ministry teams are going to come to you. If our ministry teams would get out and get prepared. If that's you this morning, just step out of your car. We won't keep you long. And uh, as others are dismissed, you just step out in your car. Please don't feel ashamed. I'm standing here before you. I need the blood of the Lord. I haven't gone out and done some great sin. I constantly need the blood of Jesus. I need His strength. I want to grow stronger and stronger in the Lord. If you want to grow stronger and stronger in the Lord, this, this invitation to you today, just get out of your car and stand there. Somebody from the ministry team will come and minister to you this morning. Uh, remember tonight, 8.30, we'll try to start promptly at 8.30. We have to wait that late because of the, the light situation, sun, sunset. Come tonight, be praying. Be praying that people are touched. Our neighbors from the surrounding area come and attend. Be praying that it's success. Pray for all the equipment to work. It's a challenge getting all this equipment to work, believe me. So if you want prayer today, just stand out in front of your car. And these that are on the ground right now, they're the ministry team. And just kind of wave your hand. Maybe I'm sorry that you have to draw attention to yourself. But right now it's a little awkward and we have to do it this way. But the rest of you, we bless you. Be released. Be dismissed. We pray the Lord's blessing be upon you today. Remember CareNet, if you'd like to donate, they can take cash, check, credit card, debit card. You can give online, see them before you leave today. It'd be a great blessing to help them. We love you. We pray over you. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face to shine upon you and reveal, show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and bless you with his shalom, his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We love you. God bless you.